I had supper with a dear friend who I hadn't seen in a few months, uh, Friday night. <clears throat> and it was great to see him. He was very joyful, and he looked great. <clears throat> and he said something to me that I, that's just preoccupying my mind. He said, uh, when you're going through a tough time, you're looking for a way to get out, you know? And you know you're happy when you don't want anything to change. And I know he had gone through some very tough times. He had to quit his job and to go completely in a different direction, go back to school, go through the hiring process. But now he's very happy. And I thought to myself, well, what do I want and where do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? I actually like being here at St. Willowbrook. I look forward to coming here every Sunday to see you, to pray with you, to minister to you. So I realized that I'm very happy and I'm not wanting anything else, really. So I hope that you use that as a litmus test, that you, you ask yourself that question sometimes, you know, uh, regarding job, regarding relationships, regarding different aspects of your life. Do you wish you were doing something else? Well, if so, perhaps it's because you're not completely satisfied or happy in the situation. We heard readings of Abraham, readings of Paul, and then in the gospel, we heard about the life of Jesus. What's interesting about these three particular people is they had such rich experiences, suffered tremendously, but they didn't desire anything else. That's what I find remarkable. And let's go into that a bit. So in the first reading, Abraham is told by God, you have one son, your only begotten son, the one you love the most. I want you to offer him in sacrifice to me. Now, I remember when I was a young man and I read that for the first time and I said, no way. You got to be kidding me. I will never do that. And that's okay. Because God would never ask me to do that. God would never ask anybody to do that. Except Abraham. And Abraham says twice, when God calls out to him, here I am. He's not running in a different direction saying, you know, get away from me, get away from me. It's remarkable. Now, how can he say, here I am, with such peace and with such confidence? It's because he knows God for decades. And so Isaac, his only beloved son, is the key to Abraham and God's relationship. Okay, because before Abraham could even have a child, God said to Abraham, I will make you a father of a great nation. Now, anybody who would hear that, you know, I make you a father, a mother of a great nation, you'd think, well, that's great. But there's one problem. I don't have kids and I can't have kids. And then God repeated that promise over the decades. And then one day when Abraham and his wife were extremely old, you know, biblical old, they had a child. And then Isaac's growing up. So again, many years later, and now God says to him, all the promises that I, you know, agreed to, agreed to do with you, based on your son, I want you now to offer your son to me. Okay, do you see the bigger context? And so 
Abraham hears the voice of God, hears the word of God, and remembers everything that God promised. And that's why he can go and say, I will do it, but I don't know how it's all going to work out. And then we see what happens. You know, Abraham doesn't sacrifice his son. The angel stops him. When we look at the second reading, he who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? You know, when I read that, I thought, is this talking about Abraham? Who even didn't give up his own son? No, it's talking about God, the Father. And so this is what Abraham so many thousands of years ago was supposed to do with this act. He was supposed to show the Father's reality, sending his son to us in order that the son might be delivered to death. Okay, Abraham didn't have to do it, but God himself will do it. But then Paul, like I said to you, he is a guy like Abraham who heard God's word and remembers God's words. And now he's telling us this. He's going to say, it is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? And that's a beautiful phrase that we always have to cherish and remember. And then another thing, he says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? That's a phrase that has come back to me and many times when I've been struggling or when I've been in some very dark times. Who will separate me from the love of Christ? No one and no thing. And this is what we're supposed to do today at this Mass. We're supposed to be listening to God, but remembering His words so that when we are in those tough situations, they will come back in full force to give us that strength on the inside to persevere. There is nothing that will separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ, because the Father sent His Son to die for us and to promise us new life, eternal life, and so when we see Jesus now with his disciples up on the mountain, God says, this is my beloved son. Adore him. No. He says, listen to him. So when you come to Mass, perhaps you come to pray. Perhaps you come because your friends are here. Perhaps you come because there's going to be coffee and biscuits after or cookies after. Well, great. I hope you come because you're doing what the Father told you to do, to listen to his Son. And that's why the Word of God is at the center of what we do here. And then shortly after, when we celebrate the Eucharist, the Word is also going to become present under the sign, under the appearance of bread and wine. And not only will we listen, but we will partake and it will go inside and will transform our interior. So when you are challenged with that questioning, where would I rather be? What would I rather be doing? Who would I rather be? Who would I rather be with? Please remember the words of God, the promises that he has made for you, and that his truth is eternal and all-powerful, and he promises life after the suffering, life after death.